Corey Hybee, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not so you can learn, grow, and succeed. You want to learn more about your hosts? Make sure to listen to episode one. Thanks for listening in. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to give you a quick backstory to this show. Chris, Aaron, and I recorded a mini series on my show, Social Capital, and named it Manufacturing Mavens. After recording this three-part series, we decided to start our own show, which is what you're listening to right now. This specific episode is part of the three-part series originally recorded. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody, Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, definitely take a visit at our Facebook group and search for Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. LinkedIn is the channel that you're going to find me most active on. Just hit the follow button, or if you want to connect, just uh, leave a little note that says you reference uh, referencing Social Capital. Social Capital Podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping you best understand your customer. We definitely believe that you need to know your customer in order to properly market to them. Check out more at keystoneclick.com. All right, today's episode is part three of our three-part Manufacturing Mavens, a broadcast miniseries. I've got two guest hosts with me for this miniseries, Chris Harrington and Aaron Courtney. Chris is the president and COO for Gen Alpha Technologies. During her time with OEMs in the mining industry, Chris and the other founders of Gen Alpha saw a need to find a better way for B2B manufacturers to do business. This led to the development of Equip, an e-commerce, e-catalog, and analytics solution for manufacturers and distributors who want to grow their business online. Aaron Courtney is the VP of Digital Services at Earthling Interactive. Aaron loves watching programmers work their magic, opening up the possibilities of the internet to small and medium businesses with powerful websites and custom software, calling herself a digital empathy practitioner. Aaron is determined to help clients move thoughtfully and compassionately into their digital future. All right, we're going to get started on today's topic. It has absolutely been a pleasure to be here with both Chris and Aaron for this three-part series. I've never done this before. Super fun. Um, I'm just going to share a little uh, story about a journey that I've encountered over my years running a business that really ties in closely with our topic today. So when I first started my business, granted, I was um, young and ignorant and naive and <laughs> didn't really know what the heck I was doing for some reason. I don't believe any of that. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, I thought that, um, one, I have to figure everything out on my own and, and two, um, whatever I figured out, I can't share with anybody else because I figured it out. So, um, they have to figure it out on their own as well. Well, that is, that is, the absolute opposite of the way I think today. Um, a, a few years back, I attended 
a conference, um, an educational event as I was going through my journey of, of trying to learn some things. And it was made and geared specifically to marketing agency owners. I attended this conference with this mindset of I'm not sharing anything I learn and, and you know, everyone is my competition and, and everything I keep it to myself. And I was just blown away by how sharing and um, inviting these individuals were that I viewed as my competition. And um, it's so much so that I in, uh, joined an affinity group where I actually meet twice a year now with other marketing agency owners where we, we spill every, you know, um, dirty laundry piece that you can possibly imagine <laughs> with each other. Um, we share our wins. We share our big ideas. Um, we, it just gets down and dirty, ugly with regards to our biggest pains and challenges so that we can help support and uplift each other and, and help each other solve these problems sooner than later. And so that um, my mindset, my mentality my thinking around this topic has changed significantly over the years. And it, it's really interesting because um, a couple of years ago, I went to a local networking event, met a new, brand new green agency owner. She just started her company. I think she was like 10 months into it. And I offered to, hey, let's connect, let's meet. And, and her mindset was the same that mine was, you know, when I had first started. And I literally just like gave her every piece of advice that I felt I could give her from my 10 years of experience uh, running the agency at the time. And, and she was just like in shock and awe that I would just be so open. And ever since then, we've just had this amazing relationship. You know, we do the exact same thing, but we send each other opportunities. So, so really what I'm talking about is this fascinating word called co-opetition. So it's, it's cooperating with your competition. That's today's topic. And I'm really excited to talk through it with, with Chris and Aaron today. So, so let's dive in. Aaron, can you just share how you would describe competition and co-opetition? Thanks. Thanks for sharing that your journey with us, Lori, because that's where it all begins. You're right. So frequently, probably usually we start off and we're like, oh, I, you know, I'm out there, I'm competing. We're all after the same, you know, cheese. We're all the rats <laughs> in the maze after the same cheese. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but when, when we're looking for definitions of competition, I think what competition does, the good thing it does is it drives us to do better, right? Like mm -hmm. ultimately competition is about the drive to achieve. Um, there's a bunch of unhealthy things that can go with that, but that's the part that we need to keep alive and we need to kindle in our business and throughout our business. But co-opetition is a behavior and it's a behavior that helps you do better and it helps you be better. And so like who is, who or what is a better resource for achieving greatness than other folks doing what you do. So the co-opetition is really about achieving with your peers. And um, that's really how I see those, those two things working together. Um, being in co-opetition. Like it. Chris, you got anything to add to that? Yeah. You know, I, well, thanks for the wonderful story at the, at the outset. I just love 
um, how your mindset shifted. And I think that even, uh, you know, that's, it's such a visual way. And I think a lot of people will relate to how you describe that. But um, when it comes to, I guess, the definition, I thought of, I'm thinking of a pie, right? And, you know, I love to eat. So you have this pie. And when it's competition, one company gets the whole pie, right? Uh, and often there's a winner and there's a loser. Um, and, you know, some gets 100% of the pie and the other gets zero. But when, when it's co-opetition, there could be some sharing of the pie. And, and that's, and often when we think about it in terms of business and going after maybe a business deal and being rewarded and earning the business of a customer, my hope is that when we are cooperating with our peers to solve a problem for a customer, maybe the circumference of the pie can grow. Now, you, you might not get 100% like you were in competition, but if you're doing well for the customer, the customer wins and we win in helping to bring our strengths together to solve the problem for the customer. So it's kind of an, a sharing of uh, the opportunity that might exist. That's the way I think about it. I love that. Yeah, it is It is a sharing of the opportunity. Um, the way that I like to think about it is uh, when you have um, everyone kind of siloed in their knowledge, there's really no elevation of what's happening in the industry. But when you kind of share resources and ideas, um, even and opportunities, it's really elevating the experience for the industry, the client, and and all the all the parties involved. So it's something that's really a, a positive. I don't necessarily see a negative, with the exception of having someone that's falsifying their what they're trying to do in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, here's a question I want to ask you. At what point did you start to think differently about your competition? Well, I've always been an athlete and I have been in individual sports. Like I ran cross country and while there's a team aspect to cross country, there's also that individual aspect. And then I also played basketball and soccer where you need, you need a team in order Mm -hmm. to succeed. So I think Um, I always loved team sports and I loved uh, just bringing out the best in everyone that was competing. And I feel like I I learned that early on. Now, as I've grown and gone, come to be a professional and I'm in my career and I'm going after business uh, and, and running a company, I realize that we have strengths in our niche where we play and other friends and and competitors out there who are, I would say, competing for the dollars available inside a manufacturer, let's say, in a particular time period, right? They're going through a budgeting process. They have a lot of positive ROI projects that they need to consider and they have dollars available. So we're kind of competing for those dollars, but to solve again, the problem for the customer, we can bring our strengths, but
but our strengths don't always meet the full needs of that of what the customer is looking for. So that's when I started to realize that, you know, if we bring these other people in who have these great resources and ideas and and the strengths and the gap areas that we don't fit, we could actually be stronger together. So that's when it shifted for me. That's awesome. Erin, any insight from you? Oh, that, that was really good. Hard act to follow as always, Chris. <laughs> I, I'm kind of new in this arena, you know, in manufacturing and, and just the whole, we had talked about social selling at the, and that was our first episode. And when I began that endeavor, I was very wary and I wasn't sure who was okay to talk to. Um, and I got introduced. So one of the things, the services my company provides is e-commerce, B2B e-commerce. And I was introduced to um, another e-commerce expert and I felt shocked, first of all, that they would want to have a conversation with me. And second of all, their transparency. And now you folks know Kurt Anderson. This is the person that I was introduced to. Their transparency, their absolute delight and excitement for me that I was out there and I was going to be doing this. I, I, it took me back. And it wasn't very long after that that I became part of this amazing network of other experts in our field and just transformed our attitude and our approach to business at Earthling because we understood better after getting to know these folks, what we were really good at and what wasn't necessarily our best specialty and where we should refine and where we should turn to others to get the benefit of their expertise. Um, so I, I really think it, a lot of it goes back to the LinkedIn and the social selling experience that um, illuminated for me why coopetition is such a healthy and productive way of doing business. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I'm glad that Kurt has been a common denominator in our worlds. <laughs> Amen. He's, he's a raving a fan, fan of yeah. lots of people and all, all, all of us uh, fall under that bucket, which is fantastic. Erin, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to bring it back to you here. What are some of the risks and rewards of coopetitions and uh, any specific examples that you could share? Yeah. Yeah. This is a good question because it gets into the sort of the uncomfortable part of uh, coopetition. And that's the risk is about the, the vulnerability that you have to bring to coopetition. And that vulnerability is the good part. But if there's any lingering anxiety, fear, insecurity behind that, um, it can really damage relationships. It can impact your performance. So when you move into a cooperative relationship with someone, you need to do some self-reflection and know that that's where you really want to be and what you really want to do. So the risk is that you don't do that self-reflection, you get into the relationship and you start having those sort of yucky territorial situations take place. Um, and then I think the rewards, that's, that's what we're talking about here today. We, we're, we're covering them really well. You know, there's the learning, the, the growth that you do, the increased opportunities. I love that image of growing the pie. Um, so there's a lot of advantages there. You, you asked me about an example, so 
being vulnerability, I'm having a little vulnerable here. Um, we had an opportunity, it was an RFP that came into Earthling. And um, there were a couple of other agencies who specialized in different areas than we did, who we had worked with in the past um, on similar projects. And they both approached me and I was new in my role and I was going to win it all. That's it. I was going to be number one. So I said, no, thank you, which was really naive and dumb on my part because had we worked together, um, first of all, we, we did win the project and we ended up, you know, turning to them to get help. But I had done exactly what I described before. I sort of poisoned the well with my competitive thinking was unable to really make the best of the relationship. We did very well by the client, but the relationship was tense the whole time. After that, what I gained was knowing what our specialty was when we respond to these RFPs, sticking to our specialty and very comfortably reaching out to other folks for their specialty so that we can deliver the best product for the client. So I learned a lot. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. Chris, any, uh, any risks? Um, I guess the yeah, rewards are kind of covered yeah, we're, the whole we're theme of the, the show, I guess, but risks or examples that you can bring to the table. Yeah, I think we're covering the rewards really well. The mm -hmm. risks, I, you know, and I think you, you brought this into your initial opening, but it's that, that just belief that you might give away your secret sauce, you know, that there's something special your organization is doing, uh, and you have a way of doing it. And sometimes I love that Aaron called it vulnerability. You know, there, there's just a lot of aspects of that. But um, and, and then I also think that the dollar value change is something that um, is a risk, depending on how you might have planned for something or you've thought about uh, as you've thought about it. Um, you know, when you asked for examples, I was just uh, speaking to another woman yesterday and, you know, she is in, she's covering the aviation industry and the aviation industry is in the industry that we would, we would be a great fit for, but we just don't have a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. And as I was speaking to her, I thought, wow. What an introduction and an opportunity for, for us, the Gen Alpha organization, to potentially work with somebody. She has credentials that we don't have, but would certainly um, be required that could help us actually participate in a space where those credentials are really required and where there's a high level of regulation and other things happening. So um, it was just a great example of as you meet other people and you think about places where you would like to take your business, some people may already be there and they have the strengths around that area. Your product, your solution, your teams may, uh, may bring some very valuable aspects to that as well. But you need a way to get in because you don't have all of the experience that's needed. So you know, that's just a really relevant one that came up uh, with discussions yesterday. And I think we, it just shows you that the reward can be that this could be new markets, mm -hmm. um, new places your company can participate if you're open to 
the coopetition aspect of things. Um, because that's a place we just didn't feel comfortable going. And now maybe we can go there with the help of this other individual and her team. So that's a relevant example for me. I I like that. I think that um, it's not always like head to head competition. You may, there may be a little bit of crossover and the opportunity or the, the deliverable that you provide but it's a great way to actually support each other if you have the same audience, you know, but you're, you're providing uh, different end solutions at the end of the day. And I, I think that it's, it's getting over that little hump of, well, we both do this, but having an open, honest conversation and saying, you know, if, if, if this person is interested in it, you know, like, we'll let you take it or, or you're, or I'm going to take it and just being transparent on what does that relationship look like, I think is extremely important. Um, yeah, there's, there's fears that I think people have around, well, if I introduce you to my clients, you know, are you going to steal them from me? Um, but again, it's, it's, are you, are you in it for the short-term win? Or are you really creating a long-term relationship where you can do this over and over and over again and have multiple wins down the road. I think that's the way you want to look at it. Um, we do this all the time. And in, in all honesty, um, you know, there's a number of organizations that we work with where um, we offer very similar services, but we have a very specific skill set that they don't have in house. Mm-hmm. So they bring us to the table um, and we know up front that we are only engaged to do X, Y, and Z. And if the client approaches us about, you know, these other items, we redirect them because we, we trust each other. And that's, and that's the way the, the businesses, um, we, the business relationship has been discussed in advance and, you know, it's, it's being transparent and sometimes they're hard conversations to have, but once you get over that hard conversation, the relationship for the long run is so much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It strikes me, you were saying about um, worried that, you know, that your client might sort of make googly eyes at your competition. But I think that gets to the vulnerability and also to, you know, if you're ready to engage in competition as a business practice, that means you have to know you're delivering the best product to your clients. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to worry. I mean, and if they leave you, that's because they see value elsewhere, not because they're less than certain about their relationship with you. So it sort of drives that internal strengthening of purpose so that you're not worried about, um, you know, the googly eyes at another (laughs) at the competition. Sure. So this is a really good, good conversation. It kind of brings a good question question now. I'm going to start with you, Chris. Um, Looking at from the customer's perspective, when they see, you know, companies kind of collaborating, but they know their competitors, how do you think that's perceived by by the outside world when the competition is happening from uh, the customer perspective? Yeah, I, you know, if we're again, speaking about manufacturers as the the target customer group for this conversation, I think they think they're winning when uh, companies come together. I really think that, you know, they have a problem and they need help. 
And oftentimes it's very difficult to evaluate and come to one conclusion that this vendor can do it all for us. Because often they can't, right? You know, there, there's a list of requirements and, and every, you know, there are a list of needs and, and services that need to be provided. The manufacturer doesn't have the experience or the know-how or the capacity to do it themselves. So they are reaching out to others to help solve the problem. And I think that they're going to expect more uh, of that from vendors to be able to come together and uh, collaboratively help them with their solution. So, you know, I think it makes their job a bit easier because then they don't have to identify one. And uh, in, in the end, they feel like they're winning. So um, that, that's what I would, I would say. Cool. Aaron? Totally agree. I think it's a good look, as they say, <laughs> um, because, you know, it just demonstrates skill, competence, a willingness to engage with your competition means that, you know, you understand the value to the customer and that that's your priority. Um, it's, as a conversation I had yesterday, we were talking about the transactional nature of business and how that can kind of lead to a client or a customer feeling like they're just a part, just a transaction and not a person, not a company. When you bring yourself and your competition, your cooperation partner to the relationship, that client, that customer knows that the value of what you're bringing is the priority, not just the transaction that you're trying to engage in with sure. them. So I think it's, it's very important. Um, I also have a great example of just evidence that people love it. I don't know if anybody's on Twitter and has seen this sort of Twitter roasting wars. Have you guys seen that? That the, yes. <laughs> the fast food restaurants mm -hmm. do with each other? Well, it's hilarious. First of all, it's entertaining. But second of all, I think it's just a good look for all the brands that are entering into that you know they're they're co they're competing in a cooperative way that makes it a win-win for everyone so mm -hmm. I think it's a it's it's definitely a wise choice and when you're thinking about the consumer customer perspective mm -hmm. I love that mm -hmm. um that's a, and yeah those uh twitter twitter wars are really quite entertaining and and I you know people if anything, it's a win-win, like you said, for, for all the brands involved, because you have more eyeballs on all the brands. And I, I, mean, I see this stuff go viral too, which is great. Not that, I mean, it's a little harder in the manufacturing space to make our, our stuff go viral, but yes. <laughs> it can be done. It's not impossible. <laughs> yeah, just a Humor little helps. bit. Yeah, humor, humor helps, helps and a, a little bit of tension drives interest, you know, just sort of like how you do things. So I think it's smart. Or maybe drinking some whiskey on a podcast. Wink, hey, wink. That, that's got to help. <laughs> Bring it, sister. Uh, that's funny. Um, Chris, what do you think is going to happen in the future? What's going to change related to competition and uh, co-opetition? Well, it feels to me like more and more businesses are getting specialized. And as we get specialized and we focus in on what we do really, really well, um, we're going to need other organizations to help complement us 
to, to solve the, the big problems that come up in the world. So I think that this isn't going anywhere. In fact, it's going to be something that we're going to, we're going to continue to see in the future. Definitely. Erin? Agree. Um, you know, you've heard of these two really big news breakups recently, right? GE and Johnson and Johnson, these monolithic companies who it's not working out to do it all and be it all. And mm -hmm. that's, that's sort of the inverse of what we're talking about today. Somebody trying to capture all of it and it just, it can't hold. So as Chris mentioned, these, the specialization just becoming at the forefront of so many business models is going to drive a need for coopetition, just practically speaking. But then on top of that, we're going to have to develop the skills to do that well. It's going to be an emerging um, area of specialty, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, great point. I love that. <laughs> develop the skills. That's, uh, that's important. And that goes back to that mindset. Kind of like what I what we we all kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, I was thinking, Aaron, I like how you circled in our first episode <laughs> related to social selling, and I'm gonna kind of answer my own question related to our second episode and digital transformation. What's happening? To your point of, there's more and more technology and these amazing tools and resources and, and companies cannot keep up to date with every single piece of evolution and technology that's happening. So it only makes sense to align yourself with, you know, the yin to your yang that's going to help, again, elevate and bring the absolute best solution to our, our clients and our customers, as opposed to trying to be you know, a one-stop shop, because I think that phrase one-stop shop is slowly disappearing. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and wow. Ladies, this was awesome. This was so much fun. Good. This is wrapping up our three-part mini series. Oh, it's so no. sad. I don't want to go. I don't think we can make, let it end. It's just, no. it's too fun. We're no. going to have to come together. These uh, Wisconsin women in the Midwest with manufacturing all around <laughs> with whiskey, with whiskey, the old fashioned availability. Yeah. Oh, uh, what are you? Are you? Are you? In I'm amazing, baby. So we, we, I, I feel like we have to keep this going because we just have some amazing <gasps> conversations. <gasps> Let's do it. That's brilliant <laughs> let's do it oh my gosh we're doing it okay and we're gonna be drinking is that right is that what i hear yeah, yeah. We, we all like whiskey so yeah. let's uh, tie that into the conversation somehow <laughs> I'm, in. I'm so in looking for wait. some sponsors if anyone is interested in sponsoring a a podcast where a couple of intelligent women get together over a whiskey and talk about manufacturing and business, uh, shoot us a message. <laughs> That's right. We're here for you. All right. Well, this is going to be huge. Absolutely. This is wrapping up our three-part mini series. Sounds like there's a little bit more coming in the future. Maybe a whole new podcast. <gasps> what we're talking about. <laughs> if you are just joining us at the tail end of this, I definitely recommend you take a listen to part one and part two. Part one, as mentioned by Aaron, we dove really deep into the topic of social, social selling 
And part two, we talked about manufacturing and uh, digital transformation. All right, if you want to connect with me, um, I'm, I'm going to be able to help you around the topic of strategic digital marketing. Definitely reach out to Chris for some manufacturing e-commerce solutions. And Aaron's got some amazing consulting services available. So we've got some great offerings specifically for our listeners. You can find out more about those offerings and more about our hosts by going to keystoneclick.com forward slash mavens. All right, this wraps up our episode of Social Capital. Thank you all for listening in. This wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcast.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. And contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcast.com.